Good morning. It's good to be here today. I certainly am impressed with your congregation, with your, uh, with your church. You guys are certainly a warm, friendly, welcoming place, and uh, I'm very grateful to be here. I'm grateful to uh, uh, Kevin for the opportunity, uh, your pastor, Brother Kevin, for the opportunity to, to, to be here in his stead. And uh, I'm certainly appreciative that you guys would, uh, would allow me, but most of all, I'm appreciative uh, that the Lord Jesus counted me faithful, put him in the ministry. As Apostle Paul said, I've got a story to tell, and I have intention of telling that story today. So if you will, open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Uh, we were in Sunday school a short while ago. I'll just tell you guys, uh, I, I see a lot of uh, familiar, some familiar faces anyway. Some of you I've never met before, but that's okay. Uh, it's all right. We, we, hopefully, if you know the Lord Jesus, we've got an eternity to get to know each other. Amen. So, uh, but while you're flipping to the Gospel of Luke, I tell you guys that I spent uh, quite a lot of time here the last few weeks since, uh, since I've talked with, with Brother Kevin, and the opportunity has, has presented itself, made itself available for us to be here. Uh, I've spent a lot of time considering, uh, thinking about, Lord, what is it that you would have me to say? And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I've got something to say to you guys today that when we were in Sunday school a short while ago, your uh, Sunday school, our Sunday school teacher this morning said that the, uh, the particular Sunday school topic uh, was one that, that's not something that we like to talk about. It's not something that we like to discuss. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I've got a very sobering message for you today. I think it's what God would have us to look at. And uh, on the same note, it's not something that we like to talk about. It's not something that we like to consider. But it is something that we certainly need to be aware of and certainly need to discuss. So in Luke chapter 16, I believe that God's Spirit... Had, uh, had led me uh, to this, this particular passage in Scripture. I have had the opportunity to preach this particular passage of Scripture before, and so we're going to, uh, you guys aren't going to revisit it, but I'm going to revisit it, okay? And, and you've probably heard something preached on this before, but in Luke chapter 16, if you're there, if you're attentive, say, I have found my place in Luke chapter 16. All right, we'll try that again to make sure. Following instructions, I'm doing that with my kids. I have found my place in Luke chapter 16. All right. I'm a little different. I know that, I know that Brother Kevin's got you guys all in the groove and everything. I'm a little different. I throw you, uh, throw you a screwball every now and then, but that's okay. In Luke chapter 16, I want to preach to you a very familiar passage of Scripture today, very sobering subject. If you will, follow along with me. Luke chapter 16. In verse 19, the Bible says that there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus, the Bible says, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the Bible says, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass in verse 22 that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in verse 23, it goes on to say, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And in verse 26, And beside all this, between us and you, 
There's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass from us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send me to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may go and, and testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And in verse 29, Jesus' words, folks, says this, Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one were to return from the dead, they would repent. And Jesus said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they hear if one return from the dead. And I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, what in hell is going on? What in hell? That's okay. Go ahead and be seated. I don't know how you guys do it. That's okay. That's all right. What in hell is going on? But before we look at that, now I know that that's, I know that that's a derogatory uh, statement. It's something that's, that's oftentimes used in a, a profanity-type slang. But that's the legitimate question for today. So if you will, before we look at this, let's go to Lord Jesus in prayer. Let's ask him to be our God today, to be the one who reveals to us today that which he's got prepared for us to receive. You guys with me? Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to be here in this place. Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would help me, Father, to preach with persuasion today. Father, I'd help, I pray that you would help me, dear God, not only to preach with persuasion, but to preach with passion, and Father, to preach with confidence today in you. And Lord, I pray, dear God, I pray that if there's somebody here today, if they died right now, they wouldn't go to heaven. Oh God, I pray that they may come to know Jesus Christ in a personal and real way today. Now, Father, help me to preach. I cannot do it of myself. I can only do it with your touch. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'll never forget a few years ago when I found myself as a pastor in Lawrence County. I was also, I was a bivocational pastor. I also spent time driving a truck. I talked with a man today who said he drove a truck. I know what that truck driving's like. Wasn't over the road, but that's all right. It's still truck driving. But I'll never forget how when I was working uh, with, with the propane company driving this particular gas truck, we, we oftentimes did did work for, uh, for other, other jobs, you know, that were contracted out. And I can recall one day that I'd gone to a particular city office here in town. I won't call which one it was. But I can recall one day having gone to a particular city office. And as I stood there in line waiting to be waited on, you guys know how that is whenever you go to a government office, right? You, got, you better be prepared to wait, amen? Some of y'all didn't get that, but you'll get it on the way home. I remember standing there forever. And as I stood there, I, I kind of observed things. And as I looked around, I recall having seen a sign that was on one of the workers, one of the employees' desk in that particular office. And as I stood there, I began to read the sign, the, the, little, the little note that was taped to the front of her desk. And that particular note had these words on it. It said, there's absolutely, positively nothing to worry about. That was the little heading on it. And as I continued to read, it said this. It said, but there's only two things to worry about, which I found to be a contradictory statement, so I wanted to continue reading, right? That's what you guys would have done. But it went on to say that the first thing that you would have to worry about is whether or not you get sick. And then it went on to say this. If you get sick, there's nothing to worry about because you'll likely either get well, in which case there's absolutely, positively nothing to worry about, 
or you'll get sick and die, in which case you can't do anything about it anyway, so there's absolutely, positively nothing to worry about. However, there are two things to worry about, the little note said, if you were to find yourself sick. The first is, if, if you were to find yourself sick and you had, you had died, as we talked about in Sunday school, if you found yourself in a deceased state, there's only two things to worry about. The first of, all, the first of which would be whether or not you would find yourself with eternal life in heaven, in which case there's absolutely, positively nothing to worry about. However, the other alternative in which you might have to worry about was if you found yourself in hell, in which case there wouldn't be anything to worry about, the note said, because you would be so busy shaking hands with old friends you wouldn't even know that you were there. And you know, the fact of the matter is is that most of us would laugh about a statement like that. But the fact of the matter is is that's really not a very funny subject. The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus Christ, I'm sure, doesn't find it very humorous, such, such a, a, a note that's been taped to someone's desk. Regardless of where it's taped, I think the subject matter is something that God takes extremely seriously. As a matter of fact, may I say to you today that God takes it so seriously that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to Calvary's hill so that mankind wouldn't have to find himself in hell. God takes the subject matter very seriously and it is no joking matter to Him. As I thought about this particular text of Scripture, most folks refer to Luke chapter 16 as the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. But I want to educate you guys today if that's been your thinking over the years that that is false that's that's a, a false term in which this particular passage of scripture is known as this is not Luke chapter 16 the parable of the rich man and Lazarus this is not a parable at all this I believe folks is an actual event why do I say that well because if we were to consider what a parable was a parable is a heavenly message that has been given to mankind in an earthly setting so that he might be able to take his feeble mind and wrap it around what God is trying to say to man and God is trying to get his message across to man. Now, in a parable, Jesus, the Bible prophesied that Jesus, God's only son, would come, the Messiah would come, and he would speak in parables. Jesus did that quite often. He spoke in metaphoric parables. And Jesus here finds himself speaking uh, instead of speaking whenever he spoke in parables he spoke in general terms he spoke in common language he didn't use proper or specific names however when we find ourselves in Luke chapter 16 we find that Jesus uses proper names instead of just using common names excuse me that's okay maybe that woke you guys up I tell you I'm going to tell you I was in trouble from the get go because uh, I've, I've worked all night, I've been up all day, I'm tired, so I'm not worried about you guys falling asleep. It's me that I'm worried about falling asleep. And I have put, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've been guilty of putting a pastor to sleep before, so you guys bear with me. My wife, she's got to go to work, bless her heart, I love her, and she's going to have to slip out here in a little while, so I've already got four down for the count that's going to get up in the middle of the service and walk out. But that's okay. Jesus was the greatest preacher of all, and they the greatest preacher ever, and they all left him. Amen? So that's all right. Y'all just bear with me. But I don't believe that Luke chapter 16 is a parable at all. Why do I say that? Because Jesus uses proper names whenever he speaks in Luke chapter 16. I believe, folks, that Jesus, I believe, folks, that Jesus was speaking of an actual individual who found himself in this particular place. 
And I think if you'll study, you'll find that that, that theory is true and correct. However, the derogatory term that folks use, what in hell is going on, I think that that's a literal question that we all must ask. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that we turn our TVs on and we flip through news channels and we, we go to the history channel and we, we seek out every possible uh, answer that we can to the things that bother us in life and we search every particular source to try to find the answers that appease us. But the fact of the matter is, is that we never go to the source that we ought to go to. We never consider what God might have to say about a particular subject. We never consider what Scripture might have to say about a particular subject. But Jesus had quite a lot to say about the particular subject. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus wants to answer the question, just what is going on there? Because I'm certain that it's probably not shaking hands with old friends. So first of all, if you will, this morning, I want you to notice in Luke chapter 16 that the first thing that's going on in hell is some reality. There's some reality that's going on in hell. Y'all with me? If y'all are taking notes, you can just put a number one. Reality. Reality is going on. Now, we live in a, a particular time in which reality TV... Y'all with me? Y'all awake? Okay, we live in a particular time where reality TV has been something that's popular. It's, it's grown into the biggest thing. I'm telling you guys, if I had a nickel for every time that Jeanette sat down and she watched The Biggest Loser, then I wouldn't have to go to work. And that's what they call reality TV. She also loves The Bachelor. She's a big fan of those particular shows, and I don't know why, but I guess she probably sits around and wonders why I watch football and wonders why I watch baseball. It's just a difference in the sexes, I'm sure. But I, I tell you guys what I can't stand about reality TV is when I've cut the TV on and I've sat down to try to watch The Biggest Loser and I've sat down to try to watch uh, one of these Bachelor shows or Lost or one of those silly shows, when I've sat down to try to watch them, to me they're not reality at all. They don't, they don't look anything like reality. I mean, if I want to watch some reality TV, I'm going to flip it over to, to, to cops or, or, or something like that, and I'm going to watch some of that. Uh, you know, true TV, they used to have the slogan, not, not reality TV. They called it actuality TV. And so there's some reality that's going on in hell, and it's not like the reality that we get from watching reality TV. There's some false misconceptions that we have about hell. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Most of us probably don't believe in the place, just to be honest about it. We think it's some big joke. We, we, we make jokes up about it. We, we take it, not literally. We do not give uh, true, honest, literal consideration to the fact that this is a literal place that exists. As a matter of fact, uh, what, what led me to this particular, what, what God took and really spoke to me about in regards to, to preaching to you guys about such a subject that I would, I, I really just, be honest with you, I don't want to preach this, but this is what God said to do, so this is what I'm going to do. But, but I was reading this, this past week, and I was looking on a particular website as I was getting my news fixed for the day, and I came across this particular story on Yahoo, and it was, it was put up, and it talked about a man whose name was Chad Holtz. And Mr. Holtz, he was a pastor over in North Carolina at a particular Methodist church. And as I began to read this particular article that had been uh, printed about Mr. Holtz, it said that Mr. Holtz had been dismissed by his congregation after he had voiced support for a, for a man by the name of Rob Bell who had written a book that was critical and denied the existence of hell. And so his, his church had dismissed him. The fact of the matter is, is that most of us probably have the same ideas and probably have, or some of us probably have the same ideas and same uh, erroneous thinking as what Mr. Holtz would have. Mr. Holtz was actually quoted in that particular article as saying this. He said, I think, I think 
justice comes. He said, and judgment will happen. But I don't think that that means an eternity in torment. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with Mr. Bell. I'm going to be honest with Mr. Holtz. And if your thinking is like Mr. Bell or Mr. Holtz, I'm going to tell you guys that it doesn't matter what you think. You can think whatever you want to, but what you think has no bearing on what God has already said. Thus saith the Lord Jesus said, it doesn't matter what you think. Jesus said, it is a place where the worm doth not. Jesus said it's a place with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said this is a real place. Jesus didn't say that this was a place of some mythological uh, fantasy. You know, we've sat around in our homes, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm the biggest fan of Tom and Jerry that you'll ever find. And one of my favorite episodes, I can recall having watched Tom and Jerry, and Tom, he's chased Jerry all around the place, and there's a grand piano that begins to fall down the, that begins to fall down the steps. And y'all may have seen this one. But as the piano comes down the steps, Tom is caught between a wall and the piano. And you can see the nine spiritual cats come out of him with the numbers on him. They all come out, and the ninth one is hanging on for dear life. Okay? Well, Tom finds himself at the, at the pearly gates, and he tries to duck down and slip in under and go on by. And, and just as he's almost got it made, the gatekeeper says, Whoa there, Thomas. Oh, looks like you've been a bad boy. You've chased this poor old mouse all over the place. Tell you what, Tom, we're going to let you in if you can go back down here and you can get this, uh, you can get this uh, confession signed by, by Jerry that says that he forgives you for all this wrong that, that you've ever done to him. And so Thomas, he, y'all seen this one? No, well, that's okay. I won't ruin the ending, but I'm going to have to tell you. Thomas gets the paper, he goes back down to earth, and, he, and he, he's, he's got the thing finally signed. It took forever, but he finally, Jerry tore it up two or three times, and he had to tape it back together. But he finally got the thing signed, and just as he starts up the grand escalator, it disappears. And a great gulf opens up in the floor, and Tom finds himself, much like Bugs Bunny and, and, and Wiley Coyote have done, finds himself in some burning, sulfurous place with the big spike bulldog with horns coming out of his head, glowing red, and with a pitchfork shoving him down into a boiling cauldron. The fact of the matter is, is that our society has trained us, our thought process has trained us to think of hell as some kind of mythological place with mythological creatures, and that's not the case at all, folks. And anybody that would tell us otherwise, we dismiss as foolish. The fact of the matter is that there's some reality going on in hell. If you'll look in verse 19, it says that there was this certain rich man, and it begins to tell about his life. And then as you go on down, you find that in verse 22, it says something interesting about the rich man. It says that it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died. And the very next words that you read say this. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. The fact of the matter, folks, is that you wouldn't have to ask this man if he believes if it's a real place. You wouldn't have to ask the rich man what his thoughts and opinions were. The fact of the matter is, is that whenever he took his last breath and he stepped off into eternity, he experienced reality, folks. He was a believer. He had been made a believer. 
But not only is it some reality that's going on in hell, not only is there a great reality check that this individual went through, there's also, if you'll look in the scriptures, you'll see that there's some remembering that's going on. And the remembering's going on because of the reality check. You see, when you, when you find yourself experiencing reality in your spiritual walk, there's going to be some remembering that comes after that. That's the way God is. There's always going to be some remembering following reality of where you are in your circumstances. So there's some remembering. Look what, look what it says in verse 25. It goes on. It talks about this man in verse 23. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. He experienced reality. He's had a reality check. I've, I've lived a good life. Here I am now. I'm in hell. And in verse 25, it says, And Abraham, these are Jesus' words, folks. And Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime, thou, thou lifetime, receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. And, you know, you just had the best of everything. And now he's comforted, and you're tormented. The key word in verse 25 in regards to this was that Jesus said that this rich man who found himself experiencing reality in a place of torment, the interesting thing is that this particular individual, the key word there in verse 25 was remember. He was instructed to remember. He was instructed to remember, uh, what, what was it that he was instructed? He was instructed to remember that in your lifetime you received good things. You know what I believe that Jesus is trying to tell us is that folks who find themselves in this particular place, whenever they find themselves there, they're going to remember some of the things from their life. They're not going to have their memory wiped away whenever, uh, none of us are going to have our memories wiped away whenever we step off into eternity. Are you guys with me? And that's good because I'm starting to lose some of mine already. And I'm sure that, that, that we've got others here who experience those type moments. Wish you guys could have seen me looking for my suit pants this morning. We've got, I, 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 as Jerry Clower would say, if I'm lying, I'm dying, right? We've got three closets in the house. I went to all three of them looking for the pants. Now, I knew they was clean, so they couldn't have been in the dirty clothes, right? Lo and behold, I just happened to look, and I've got a stack of clothes that I've been meaning to hang up for a few days. Actually, I've been meaning to go through them and separate them, get rid of some of them. And I don't know how my pants wound up there, but that's where they wound up. I'm telling you, it would look rough if I had to wear my pajama bottoms in there. <laughs> but our memories are going to stay with us, folks, right? Jesus said that Abraham told this man, he said, Remember that you in your lifetime, you received good things, and likewise Lazarus, he received evil things. You know what I think that this rich man remembered? I think, first of all, that this rich man probably remembered every piece of fine clothing that he had ever worn. You know, when it talks about the rich man, it tells about his life. It says that this particular man fared sumptuously. In other words, he lived lavishly. The Bible says that he was dressed in purple and fine linen. I mean, guys, he had had the best of everything whenever it comes to his wardrobe. He had the, he had the, he had the leisure suits back in the 70s. And then, then he might have been like some of you guys and he wore the Calvin Kleins and he, he might have been like some of you guys and wore the Ralph Lawrence. Listen to me, folks. It makes no difference what kind of clothes we wear. Jesus is not interested in the clothes that we wear. Jesus is interested in the person who's clothed inside of the clothes. The fact of the matter is that it does not make any difference what type clothes, what type pants, what type shirts, what type shoes you have. The fact of the matter is this, is that Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
This man had everything that money could buy whenever it come to his closet. He had the Nike Air Jordan shoes. You know something? I can remember when I was a child, some of you guys have, have, have had the opportunity to speak with you guys, some of you this morning. You know my parents, it's great. Uh, don't hold that against me whenever it comes time to shake my hand at the door. But the fact of the matter is that I can remember being a child, and my mom, she was a stay-at-home mother. My father, he, he, he passed her bivocationally, worked at, the, at, at a local uh, factory here in Pulaski, Pulaski Rubber Company. And I can remember that I can remember sometimes when I was a child that my dad would be laid off, whether it be due to a strike or whether it be uh, due to slow business. And I can tell you guys that I didn't come up with quite a lot. I didn't come up with the best of everything. And I can recall having worn rustler jeans and strap-on shoes to school. And I can tell you guys that it hurts when people make fun of you, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that it makes no difference what you wear. But this man had the best of everything when it came to his wardrobe. And then if you continue reading, I think that this man also probably remembered every fine meal that he'd ever eaten. You know, there's some wonderful meals throughout the Scripture. We can read about the Last Supper. That's certainly a wonderful meal. We can read about suppers to come. We can read about what's referred to as the bridegroom's supper. Thank you. We can read about what's referred to as the, 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 great, uh, the, the, great, uh, the great supper uh, in, in the book of Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, I told you I was having one of those senior moments, and I'm not even a junior. But there's some great suppers in the Bible. But I think that this man probably remembered some of the good suppers that he had had. The Bible says that he fared sumptuously. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. As he, as he sat down and had porterhouse steak with baked potato, Lazarus just desired one of the complimentary rolls. I'm sure that this man probably remembered that. If we continue to read, we'll notice that not only did did he probably think of uh, some of the good things in life that he had? He probably thought of some of the good moments in life that he'd had. I mean, this guy, he was so well off that not only could he have the best clothes, not only could he have the best food, not only could he drive the best camel that money could buy, but he could also go wherever he wanted to go, folks. He had it made. He was sort of like the, the rich fool. If, you re, if you've ever read about the rich fool in the Scriptures, he was sort of like the rich fool who had, who had had such a great harvest that he sat back and he said, you know what, I've done so well. And he said, I say to myself, what am I going to do with all these goods, with all these crops? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll go out and I'll tear down my barns so that I might, may, might build some bigger barns and I'll have room to put all this stuff in. And the Bible says that Jesus, God said to him that night, thou fool, thy soul shall be required of you this day. Folks, the fact of the matter is is that to this man, his reality check reminded him that, you know what, instead of focusing on what wasn't important way back over there in my life whenever I had an opportunity to do something about my situation, maybe instead of focusing upon what was unimportant, I should have focused on what was important. Maybe instead of being concerned with the fine things that I had and the reputation that I'd built throughout the community, maybe instead of being concerned with climbing the corporate ladder and trying to gain success on every particular level, maybe I should have been more concerned about what was eternal. I'm sure there's probably some remembering that's going on. 
I'm sure he probably remembered each and every opportunity that he had probably had to come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. I'm sure, folks, that every opportunity that he had had, just like if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm sure that if you step off into eternity without knowing Jesus, you'll regret the opportunity that you didn't take advantage of here today at Wells Baptist Church to receive Jesus Christ. You'll remember this opportunity. Why? Because there's not another moment that's going to come around that's going to be quite like this particular moment. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to come to know a Savior who loved you and gave himself for you on Calvary's hill. Once in a lifetime. Not once in a lifetime. Let, let me rephrase that. It's a once-in-eternity opportunity to come to know a Savior who loves you and cares for you and gave himself freely for you. Jesus, Jesus said, I give my life. I, 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 I have power over my life and I have power to lay it down. He said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. Why? Because I went to Calvary to die for many so few could be saved. There's a reality check that's going on in hell. There's some remembering that's going on in hell. If you're following along, you'll also see that there's some reaping that's going on in hell. Y'all still awake? There's some reaping that's going on in hell in verse 25 and verse 26. There's a reality check. There's some remembering. There's some reaping. In verse 25 it says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. In verse 26 it says, And besides all this there's a great gulf, there's a great divide if you will, that's fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. There's some reaping that's going on in this particular place. You know, I was telling you guys that I remember, I remember coming up as a, as a kid, we didn't have necessarily a whole lot, had what we needed, but we didn't have what we wanted. Y'all know what that's like? Everybody does, right? It's, uh, don't, you know, I'm not, Trying a sob story, <laughs> you know I had it pretty good. I, I've, I've got a good family. I got parents that love me, taught me about Jesus, so I've got it pretty good. But I tell you another memory that I have. That particular memory when, when I was a child, you know I was telling you guys that we didn't necessarily have the best of everything, and you know we couldn't we couldn't go and spend a lot of money at the grocery store or this or that. Now things got better as I got older, right, Daddy. Daddy, Daddy made a little bit of extra money, so I got to wear a different kind of shoes. I was cool then. Y'all know what it's like to be cool. I'm cool. Cool, man. I can remember as a kid, though, we, uh, we didn't necessarily have money to eat porterhouse and T-bone. And uh, Mom and Dad, they come, up with the, they come up with this bright idea to grow a garden. I don't know where they got that one at. It's probably kind of like the idea that they had that we was going to burn wood for heat, which we did from the time I was young enough to remember up until I got old enough and got married and moved out of the house and Daddy didn't have anybody helping with the wood anymore, so he got gas put in. <laughs> Y'all been there and got the T-shirt, right? Some of you will earn it. Some of you haven't got that shirt yet, but you'll get it. But I can remember that they decided to grow a garden. 
And I think that the only thing that the particular dirt that they had in their garden had nutrients enough to grow was green beans. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I don't eat vegetables. It's like just a few of them I'll eat. So, you know, green beans wasn't really my cup of tea. But I can remember that when it come time to, you know, you'd, you'd spend summertime, you'd hoe the garden. Well, I wasn't big enough to hoe. But Mama, Mama would hoe the garden, and then she'd make me get out there and pick up the rocks. And that was while it was growing, right? But then there come a time later on where it was time to reap. And what that was is you're going to reap the green beans off the, you know, off the plant out there. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about it. All I can tell you is I don't like sitting on the porch breaking beans. That's about all I can tell you about it. But there come a time where you put the work in, and it was a time to reap or take in, redeem your work for the benefits of your labors. Here, this particular man, he found himself reaping, much like every other soul that finds himself in hell, finds himself reaping. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. You know something else that the Bible says? The Bible says in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. In Galatians, and it goes on and says, Back over in Numbers, it says, Be sure, rest assured, if you don't believe anything else, you can believe this. Be sure your sins will find you out. This man found himself in hell not because he had great possessions, not because he had fine cuisine to eat, not because he had nice camels to ride, or a nice home to live in. He found himself in hell because those things were more important to him than the condition of his soul. That's much like our society in which we live in. Countless scores of people look for the next opportunity to get a leg up whenever they get one knee down and invite Jesus Christ into their hearts they'd get to experience a different eternity. The fact of the matter is, is that this man was much like, let me tell you guys something, you know the hard thing about preaching? It's not reading from a Bible. Probably the hardest thing about preaching is being lined up with God. Being where you ought to be with God because as one of my former pastors says, whenever you point the finger, you got three pointing back at you. But one of the hardest things that I've found in preaching, since I've been preaching, is that it's hard to make things practical. It's hard to look at something and say, how does this apply to the person that I'm speaking to? And I'm going to tell you guys that this is very practical preaching today. And you know why it's practical? Because... This particular individual was, was much like some of you, one of you, two of you, three of you, maybe even many of you. Things that were important to him were not the things that mattered. Just like in our lives, the things that are important to us are not the things that matter. We've exchanged our eternal lasting outlook 
for the lie that we serve ourselves and we make ourselves happy and everything's going to be all right. And folks, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said there's some reaping going on. This particular man, he had put off his opportunity to put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, he might have been like some of you. Maybe he believed in God, but you can believe in soap and be dirty. He might have, he might have said, well, I'm okay because I believe. Well, that's okay. I'm glad that you believe. But there was a time. Well, never mind. I'll, I'll put that one away. We've got young ears around here. There was a time when my teeth fell out that the tooth fairy came. Amen. You can believe in something, but believing's not enough. Am I saying that you've got to do some kind of great works to earn salvation? That's not what I'm saying. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 that salvation, eternal life, the gift of heaven is given to every man as a gift. Why is it given as a gift? Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ went to a cruel cross, had his, had his face slapped, had his, had his brow crammed a crown of thorns on, had a whip across his back, had spit in his face, had fists crammed off in his jaws. The Bible says that Jesus was beaten and bruised for our iniquities. And the Bible says that Jesus gave himself as a ransom to redeem mankind. Jesus said that we're hopeless, folks. Jesus said that he didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world was condemned already. You know what you have to do to go to hell? You have to do absolutely nothing to go to hell. You're lost. You're hopeless. And there's but one answer for you. There's but one hope for you. And that's the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The risen Redeemer. This man found himself reaping his reward for trusting in himself instead of trusting in the Savior. He trusted in himself and he received his reward. The Bible says that there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, there's not one righteous. There is nobody that's righteous. Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You are hopeless today. And if something doesn't change, by way of you coming to the cross, you're going to find yourself reaping. Got to hurry. It's a reality. There's remembering. There's reaping. There's repenting that's going on. You guys know that? You know, there's, there's folks, think about that, folks. There's folks in hell right now, just like this man, and they're repenting. I'm, I'm not starting to lose you, am I? Y'all still awake? Okay, I'm going I'm to try to put it in high gear where we can get out here, okay? Some of you starting to doze off. Nudge your neighbor, say, wake up. If you'll look in the scripture, you'll find that there's some repenting going on. This man... The Bible says that he had had a change of mind. You can see that in his attitude. He reflects that in the things that he says. It doesn't necessarily come out, but God's given us enough sense that we can kind of figure some things out on our own, right? This particular man, he cries out for mercy. He says, Lord, you know, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented down here. I, you know, if, 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 if I could, just let me go back and, and say something to my loved ones. Let me go back and say something 
to some other folks that I have deep concern about because I don't want them to wind up in the same circumstances that I found myself in. This man had had a genuine change of heart. I believe that with all my heart. I'm going to be honest with you. If, if I found myself, which thank God I'm born again and I'm not going to have to worry about this, folks, and you can be born again too today and you won't have to worry about it either, but I'm not going to have to find myself in this particular place. But if I did, if I found myself uh, in eternal torment, I'm sure that I would probably have a different outlook about things. I, I tell you guys that people have different outlooks about things all the time. I had an outlook back uh, 10, 10 years ago, uh, 11, 12 years ago, before I come to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I had an outlook on life, and it wasn't really a very good one. And then when I come to know the Lord Jesus, there was a change that took place in my life. There was a change that took place in my heart. And I'm going to tell you guys that I had a different outlook from that moment on, and I continue to have a different outlook each and every day uh, for the most part. My wife tries to conform me as much as she can. But there's people who always have different outlooks. And this man, it didn't take but just one moment of reality for him to have a different kind of outlook on his, on his current situation. He had a different outlook. How do we know that? Because he had asked for something that he had never asked for before. I'm sure, folks, whenever we find, uh, or if we were to be able to get a glimpse, we would probably find people who were crying out for mercy. If we could get a glimpse of hell today. Say, that's good preaching. Or say amen or something. If I got to do the preaching and the amen, then we're going to be here a while. If we could get a glimpse, we would probably find some people who were now crying out for mercy, who had never cried out for mercy before. If we could get a good look, then we would probably find that there were people who were crying out for grace who had never cried out for grace before. If we could get a good look, we would probably find people who would be like the thief on the cross who said, you know what, I was guilty and I come and I confess what I'd been and I'm unable to help myself. Where they had never been willing to do that before. As a matter of fact, what is repenting? Repenting is just simply a change of heart, a change of mind, and a change of your outlook. Did you know that the Bible says for you to be born again, the Bible says that you must repent? Did you know that the Bible says that God commands men everywhere that they all must repent? It was John the Baptist who cried out to the Pharisees, Repent. Before a person could come to know Jesus Christ, they must repent. They must have an interchanging of how they view themselves. They must have an interchanging, a change of their heart and a change of their mind. This man no doubt had a change of heart and a change of mind. But I'm going to tell you one guy that hadn't had a change of heart and a change of mind. And this, won't prob this probably wouldn't come as a surprise to some of you. But it was Warren Buffett, the great billionaire, who said that there's many ways to get to heaven and the way that he's going to find himself to heaven. There's many paths Warren Buffett said, and the way that he's going to get there is through his charitable efforts. Well, I'm going to tell you guys that if you've got the erroneous thinking of Mr. Buffett, then you're going to be sadly mistaken whenever you step off in, from this life into eternity because there's not many paths to heaven. There's not more than one way to heaven. Your charitable works, your charitable efforts will not get you there. The only way that you're going to find yourself there is whenever you come to the realization that I must repent and I must give myself wholly, totally, completely, freely, and without, and without any reservation to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not many ways to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the only way to heaven. In verse 28, 
Look what he says. He says, I have five brethren. I'm concerned about them. I've got family members. I've got relatives. I'm going to tell you something. If we could get church folks that were half, half as concerned about their lost loved ones, if we could get church members that were half as concerned about those that were going to be finding themselves in eternity in hell, we wouldn't have to worry about folks being one to Jesus Christ. This man had something that church folks need. He had a zeal and a desire to make sure, listen to me folks, he had a zeal and a desire to make sure that those that he cared about didn't find themselves in that place. Why? Because he viewed it as a literal place and he took it as a literal place and he knew what that place was like. And if we would get an eternal outlook on where it is that our friends, if we would get an eternal outlook church on where it is that our loved ones are going to find themselves when they breathe their last breath and step off into eternity, that would be enough to cause us to be like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9 whenever he said, I'm telling you the truth, I'm not lying. If I could give up my own salvation for my brethren to be saved, I'd do so. This man was not unconcerned. but it was because he had had a change of heart. You know, that's what a lot of church folks needs is, is, is a change of heart. And you know, Psalms 34, 18, the Bible says that God hears those of a contrite spirit. God break our hearts. The Bible says that hell has enlarged herself every day. God, break our hearts for those who step off into eternity and we find ourselves unconcerned. Of all the things If you don't remember anything else I've said here today, please remember this. Of all the things that are going on in hell today, there's one thing that's not going on today in hell, nor will it ever be going on in that place. Now I'll give you this and we're done, okay? So just give me, give me about five more minutes of your undivided attention and I promise you can get, get out of here approximately five minutes of all the things that are going on there today the one thing that is not going on today the one thing that will not go on at any time any point in the future there's no receiving going on in hell now there may be a reality check there may be some remembering there may be some reaping and there may there may even be some repenting that's going on there but one thing that's not going to go on there is some receiving you see it's not enough for you to believe it's not enough for you to repent repentance repentance leads a man to Jesus Christ okay repentance does not save a man for eternity but repentance leads a man to the man who can save him for eternity or an individual woman man child boy girl does not matter the one thing that's not going on, if you'll find when you look at this man, he was informed sadly. It was almost like one fellow that I'd read about. 
I'd read about a particular individual. He'd received a Dear John letter from his fiancée, soon-to-be wife. And not very long after that, a few months down the road, he'd received another letter. And in that particular letter, she had wrote to him, John, I want you to know that I'm deeply saddened and sorrowed over our recent dissolvement of our relationship. She went on to say that I've done nothing but think about you each and every moment since we've broken up. And she said, John, if I could do anything, I would ask you to please forgive me and take me back. Truly yours, love always, Jill. Then down below that it said, P.S., congratulations on winning the state lottery. This man might have received some news like that. He got some bad news. He made some requests, but there was no way for his request to be granted. And the reason for that being is because he actually might have been like some of you. He might have had the idea that I live my life as good as I can, and when I step off into eternity, it'll be decided then where I go. I'm going to tell you guys that I've talked to countless folks and many of those folks cannot come to the understanding that they can know whether or not they are going to go to heaven whenever they die. Some folks just can't grasp that. Now Islam is a religion, a false religion, which teaches that mankind cannot know where his eternity is going to be until he's died and he stands before Allah, okay? Say that with some quotation marks. That's what Islam teaches. Which we know Islam's false because Jesus said, I'm the way. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus teaches that a man can know. Jesus said in John, in 1 John chapter 5 that these things contained within the scriptures have been given to us that we may know that we have eternal life if we have his son in our heart. The Bible says he who has a son has anybody, anybody has life. That's right. You can know that you have eternal life. You don't have to guess about that. You don't have to wonder about that. You know what? You don't even have to hope about that. It's not like I hope I have gravy and biscuits in the morning when I get up. It's I know. Why do I know? Because salvation is not based. Uh, salvation is not based upon how you feel. Salvation is not based upon what you think about yourself. Salvation is based upon a promise that God made. And God made a promise in Romans chapter ten and verse thirteen that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not he might be saved. Not he could be saved. Not I'll think about it. He said you will. If you call with a broken and contrite heart upon the name of the Lord Jesus and say yes to Jesus Christ, then you will, without a shadow of a doubt, be saved. But, but, if you find yourself stepping from this life off into eternity, the fact of the matter is, is that when you step off into eternity, you no longer have that opportunity. Why? Because the Bible speaks of a person who can send away their day of grace. 
God offers you grace. God offers you mercy. But the fact of the matter is that folks who find themselves in hell have sinned away their day of grace. There's no more opportunity. There's no more chance. There's no more, uh, there's, there's no more chance for them to come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Why? Because their day of grace has been sinned away and it's been passed and their eternity's already been set. Your eternity is not set whenever you step off from this life. Your eternity is not determined when you step from this life into the next life and you stand before the judgment seat of God because the Bible says that every man must stand before the judgment seat. The Bible says that every man will, will give an account for every idle word in the book of Matthew, that you'll give, a, you'll give an account for every idle word that proceeds out of your mouth. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. You're going to find yourself standing before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not to determine where you're going to spend your eternity because that issue's already settled before you step off into eternity. And so if you sent away your day of grace, you'll find yourself, you, you let this opportunity, this once in an eternity opportunity pass you by, and you'll find yourself like this man and every other man in his company. There'll be no opportunity for you to receive anything except your due reward. Jesus said this, and I'm almost done. Jesus said, those who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I want to ask you two questions today. If you're here today and you cannot say for certainty, if you cannot say for certain, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven. I want to ask you this question. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? What is it that has prevented you from coming to know Jesus Christ in a personal way? And whatever that is, I want you to take that and I want you to mentally write that down in your mind on your mental sticky pad and stick it in your pocket. And I want to ask you this second question. Are you willing to live and die with your excuse? And to every person in this congregation, I hope that as we prepare to move towards a time of invitation, I want to ask you, have you really considered what we're talking about? We're not talking about going to jail on a misdemeanor charge for 11 months and 29 days. We're not talking about a possible prison sentence for a few years. We're not talking about probation and pretrial diversion. But folks, we're talking about going to hell forever. Across this place with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.
I'm going to ask our musician, song leader, to come, get prepared, play a song of invitation. I want to ask you today. To possibly do the hardest thing in your life that you've ever done. You might be here today and you're sitting there right now and you're saying, I, I, I feel like you have been speaking to me, preacher. I know that you have, what you have said, it, it, it's exactly where I find myself at. I've had opportunities to come to know Jesus Christ. I've passed those opportunities by and I've never really given a lot of consideration. I've never really given a lot of thought as to what is going to face me. I've never really given a lot of thought as to what it was that Jesus Christ did for me on Calvary's cross to keep me from going to that place that you've been talking about. But today, I want to know Jesus in a real personal way. What I'm going to ask you to do is, is, is if that's your heart, if that's your desire, in your heart of hearts, I'm going to ask you to say something similar like this to the Lord Jesus. Just in your heart of hearts, not magic words, but what you really feel. Just say to the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I confess to you today that I'm a sinner and I'm hopeless. I'm condemned. But I realize, Lord Jesus, that you died for my sins to be forgiven and that you rose again. And Lord, I ask you today, I ask you right now by faith to come into my heart and save me and forgive me. In Jesus' name. Thank you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed across this place, nobody's up, nobody's looking around. I'm also going to speak to you, Christian, and I'm going to ask you if you'd have a change of heart today, if you'd get serious about winning your family to Jesus Christ, if you'd get serious about winning your associates to Jesus Christ, your acquaintances, your friends, your loved ones, everybody that you know, you be an outreach tool for Jesus Christ because this is what they're going to face. And I'm going to ask some of you if you'd be willing to, to slip, maybe even slip out of your seat and come to the altar and just say yes to Jesus. Lord, I know that I need to have a change of heart because I've not been concerned and I've not been serious about where my friends and family are going to find themselves. But if that's you, you feel free to do that. If you've prayed, you say, that was me just a moment ago. I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart. I meant it with all my heart. I'm going to ask you where you are just to slip your hand up. Not going to come to you. Not going to embarrass you. But if that was you and you say, yes, preacher, that's me. I asked the Lord Jesus. I meant it with all my heart. I asked him to come into my heart and save me. And I want you to pray for me. Just slip your hand up where we can see it. God bless you. Anybody else in this place? Just slip. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Just hold your hand up high. I'm not going to embarrass you. Not going to come to you. Not going to drag you out. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you right now, but I want you to understand something before I do. The Bible says that there's no such thing as a secret disciple. The Bible says that Jesus hung publicly on a cross for your sins so that everybody could see. And Jesus went on to say this. Jesus said that if you will not confess me before men, I'll not confess you before my Father in heaven. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you were serious about that, and you really mean that, that you made a commitment to the Lord Jesus today, I'm going to ask you, whenever we start to play, just to slip out of your seat and walk down here at the front and not be ashamed of Jesus and say, yes, I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me today, and I meant it with all my heart, and I'm going to be a different person. If that's you, you do so whenever we start to play. Lord Jesus, thank you. Father, I pray for these that said yes to you today. And God, I pray, Heavenly Father, 
God, I pray that you might give them courage to follow through in their walk today. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.